0: The protests for racial justice around the country last summer sparked dozens of companies to think about their role in racial inequity. Even the agencies that regulate the economy started looking at what they could do to make change. Agencies like one that supervises the country's banks, the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency, also known as the OCC.
1: As these protests are breaking out and there's sort of more and more coverage and exposure of the inequalities in the U.S., The OCC took a step back and thought, well, have we enabled any of these inequalities? And what can we do to try to address that, at least from the position of power that it has as a regulator? There was this viewpoint at that time at the OCC that, wait a minute, have we as a regulator essentially enabled a system in which people are shut out of affordable credit when they don't deserve to be.
0: That's our colleague Anna Maria Andriotis. And she says the reason the OCC was looking at how people are shut out is because it oversees the big U.S. banks.
1: So as a regulator, over the years, the OCC has put out guidance uh, with regards to ways that banks can avoid credit risk. Some of that guidance has included credit score guidance. And, you know, the minimum credit scores that banks would want to consider sticking to and not going below when approving
0: people for credit. Because of the OCC's guidance, many banks generally don't approve loans for people without credit scores. And that locks out a disproportionately large number of Black and Hispanic adults. So
1: it really started from this sort of very deep-rooted place and thinking, okay, from a banking industry standpoint, what can change to try to create more quality and inclusivity of people who have been shut out of the banking system, and specifically shut out of affordable credit?
0: So they came up with an idea, a way to give millions of Americans without credit scores credit cards. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Linebaugh. It's Monday, May 17th. Coming up on the show, a new plan to tackle racial inequity in America's banking system. This episode is brought to you by Workday. Get the whole band together with Workday and pair finance and HR on one platform for an epic performance. With Workday AI at the core, you'll make confident decisions faster than ever and you'll drive flawless business and finance operations with an agile platform that constantly evolves to future-proof your organization. Be a finance and HR rock star with Workday. Visit Workday.com to learn more. Last summer, the OCC started examining how the agency has reinforced racial discrimination in the financial system. And it convened a roundtable to figure out what to do about it.
1: And so, what resulted from that was the OCC bringing together
0: banking executives,
1: fintechs, nonprofits that have been focused, in part at least, on access to credit issues to start brainstorming what can happen, what can change here, to try to bring in these people who have been shut out of the credit system.
0: One of the people involved in those conversations was Shaquille O'Neal. He went on CNBC with the then head of the OCC, Brian Brooks to talk about the possibilities of this new initiative. It's not about the money. It's about, you know, coming in, you know, giving people equal opportunity, treating people fairly. I've got my hands on the structural levers right now. So if there's something preventing minorities from participating in our economy fully, how can I fix that? And I think with Shaquille's help, we can really go a long way. Brooks thought one idea could be to create an alternative way to lend to people who don't have traditional credit scores. And in the U.S., 53 million adults don't have the kind of traditional credit scores banks rely on to approve loans, like mortgages, car loans, or credit cards. In particular,
1: over the last 15 years or so, as more and more consumer lending has become automated and a big focus in particular with credit cards and personal loans has been on approving things quickly or making decisions quickly, really, much of that has hinged on credit scores, right? A uh, three-digit number that gives you an overview of the person's ability and willingness to pay their debts and essentially helps lenders to decide, do we approve this applicant or no?
0: But the ease of a credit score for banks doesn't mean the system works for all consumers.
1: In order to have a credit score, a person needs to have a borrowing history that is reported onto their credit reports. Now, if that individual doesn't have a credit card, doesn't have student loans, doesn't have some type of financing product, well then there really isn't much information that can be gathered in order to calculate a score. So people from all walks of life can find themselves in situations where they don't have credit scores. This can include people who moved to the U.S. after many years of living abroad or never having lived in the U.S. before. You could have been the most responsible, financially responsible person in a different country. Well, you come here... And that really doesn't count for
0: anything. It's more than just immigrants. It's also young adults who aren't old enough to have built up credit. Or older adults who paid off their loans long ago. Really, anyone without a recent credit history. Like people who've been released from prison. It can be almost anyone who can find themselves in this
1: situation.
0: And so not having a credit score doesn't say anything Necessarily about a person's finances or their financial past. Not having a credit score is not a clear cut indication of
1: one's income or financial past. Credit scores
0: also leave out entire communities.
1: More often than not, the adults in the US who don't have credit scores tend to be either Hispanic or Black adults. So, for example, a 2015 study by the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, found that Black and Hispanic adults in the U.S. are more likely to not have credit scores than white and Asian adults.
0: And why do you think that is?
1: Well, one of the clear reasons is that more Black and Hispanic adults in households tend to live in areas where there aren't many banks that are present. They don't have as much of a banking relationships, let's say, as white adults.
0: What is the harm that has come to people by not having a credit score, by being out of the system?
1: The harm with being shut out of the credit system is multi layered and very deep-rooted. If you need a credit card or you need a personal loan, you're in some type of emergency— be it a medical emergency be it you know your car's not working and you can't get an affordable loan from a bank you're going to be stuck in this corner of the market with interest rates that are your know, triple-digit interest rates where defaulting on loans and getting into an even worse situation, financially speaking, is very likely. And then you're just stuck in this cycle of getting loans that are very difficult to manage and owing more and more money to very expensive lenders. And you're just stuck. And then what is the harm that results from that? Not just financially, but emotionally, mentally, on people's lives, right, when they don't have money, they can't
0: get an emergency loan, what do they do at that point? This is where the OCC comes back in. After their meetings last summer, the OCC wanted to change how banks lend to people who don't have credit scores. And by doing so, it hoped to open credit to those millions. But to make that change, the OCC needed the banks. That's After the Break. When the OCC came up with this plan to open lending up to people without credit scores, the banks were in. They'd already been looking for more ways to give out loans.
1: I mean, at this point, large credit card issuers are all sort of looking for the same thing. And that is they are looking to approve more people for credit cards. They are increasing existing credit limits on cards that people currently have. The goal is to increase balances and to do so in a way that doesn't introduce the risk of, you know, a surge in delinquencies that would follow. Well, you know, if you have tens of millions of people who can't get a credit card under normal standards and you start to lend to them, that could help a bank to get at their goal of increasing that loan volume.
0: Banks want to find people who are outside the credit score system but are financially responsible. Like, have a bank account that stays fairly full. But to see that kind of information banks need access to other banks' data. So now, under the direction of the OCC, banks have decided to work together.
1: So the plan is that some of the largest banks in the country, including JPMorgan Chase, Wells Fargo, and U.S. Bank, are going to begin exchanging bank account data in order to try to underwrite people for credit cards. When people apply for a credit card, the banks go to pull their credit report and score and find that they don't have a credit score. What they'll then do is they'll look to see, well, do these people have bank accounts? If you apply for a credit card, let's say at J.P. Morgan, J.P. Morgan will be able to view data from your bank account at Wells Fargo to make that decision about whether or not to approve you for that credit card.
0: And in the fall, J.P. Morgan is expected to pilot the program, issuing credit cards based on data from other banks. This kind of collaboration between banks seems pretty unusual.
1: So it is unprecedented from the standpoint that you have banks that are agreeing to exchange pretty critical data and data that they've been very protective over with regards to not wanting their competitors to see. But they're agreeing to essentially exchange this data to try to approve at least some of these 53 million people in the U.S. who don't have credit scores.
0: Could this spell the end of credit scores? I think that's too early to say. Because
1: right now, the conversation isn't really about let's ditch credit scores altogether. It's about there's a meaningful number of people who don't have credit scores. And maybe it was a mistake to ignore them for so many decades. I mean, it makes sense to use bank accounts, right? Uh, That's where you see much of people sort of day-to-day financial transactions and can get a good read on their overall financial health. I do think, though, it's important to point out how many different efforts have been tried and nothing is mainstream yet.
0: What are the risks of doing this?
1: Well, there are several risks. So first, if, This does move forward and you have a whole bunch of people who don't have credit scores getting approved for credit. Will they be able to pay their credit card bills? Will they become delinquent? Could banks see a surge in loan losses after they put these plans into action? I think there's also the risk of, will this all play out? I mean, this in many ways is unprecedented. Big banks agreeing to exchange some of their most prized and sensitive data. Will they all remain
0: on board with doing that? To what extent are banks motivated by social justice?
1: Well, let's think about it this way. When a banking regulator gathers a bunch of banks and says that the current system is unjust and we all need to sort of work together to figure out how to let people who have been shut out of the system in. And by the way, many of these people, you know, are Hispanic adults, Black adults, minorities, essentially. Banks are going to listen up and they're going to take some type of action.
0: That's all for today, Monday, May 17th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Additional reporting in today's episode by Peter Rudiger. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.